Ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to get underway. Then we can find their seats and remember to enjoy the show. Thank you. Gelato films are so delicious They might not be so nutritious But they're yummy in your tummy And you like the rate of murder That you see on screen With the bright lights and vivid colors Go in and kill each other Let's see who the killer is Let's find out the mystery It's the person that you would never have expected Gelato <laughs> It's the person that you never think it's never yeah, that's who about you it. want I don't know. it to I be. lost gas. You guys got to jump in there. I, yeah, I, we'll write it out. Welcome to Coming of Age, everyone. Welcome, hey, welcome. Uh, this is welcome, Dan Joplin, who just uh, came in and stole the show. <laughs> that hey, where's show that thing too. at? Let me put it in this big burlap bag and just run out with us. That's the new oh, intro for yeah, the next yeah. year. Great. <laughs> Ow. Set on my ball. Season two, baby. <laughs> Um, and over here is Chase Cummins to my right. Hi. I'm here. He's here. Chase, I love you. <laughs> Thanks. Oh. All right. And that's Alan Loosebro. Hi, everyone. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Like the cops. Are Is this filmed in front of a live studio audience? <laughs> oh my god! Every week. Da 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 You know what? Sometimes life ends so easy. <laughs> sometimes it can be kind of hard. In fact, sometimes you try to take a break and go on a cool vacation, and you witness a murder and get dragged into a crazy situation where you end up in danger yourself. And Scooby-Doo music plays. Zoinks, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of here, Scoops? <laughs> Well, this is our first episode on Jalo. If you yes, fuck you. if you know what Jalo is, maybe you got some of those <laughs> jokes. Um, I, if you don't know, you're gonna know soon. Yeah, and you should know because I didn't know what the hell Jalo was like two months ago. <laughs> Me and neither. I, yum. It's now it's looking pretty promising. <laughs> it's a fun one. <laughs> I've had a good time so far. Only watched two films though, but. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. This is they our... They get better as they go on. This is our Jalo-themed month. This is a part one where we're going to be talking about a little bit of the introduction and the history of Jalo. Yes. Jalo. Um, yes. And, and as novels and then adapted to films and all of that. And then we're going to get into Blood and Black Lace. <laughs> oh... It's so an important, an important Jalo film, the second Jalo film. Or right, we should start this out by talking about how Jalo is like the most fundamental horror genre of the late '60s and early '70s, and into today is the most influential genre to the slasher film and other films of that elk, which have you know slasher films pretty standard. It's which is kind of you know, you know we stand on the shoulders of giants. <laughs> 
and uh, you gotta have your fundamentals. Without your fundamentals, you're not gonna be able to play the game. You can have all the fancy footwork you want, but if you don't know how to pass the ball into the bean counter, then you're not gonna make a touchdown, and that's a fact. That's like Will Forte. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So these movies are schlocky, <laughs> campy, gore fests. Yeah, which is like, I don't know. It's crazy that I haven't heard of like this at all, especially yeah. like from how like perverted the genre has become into like these slasher films, like which already like kind of start off with like John Carpenter and like Halloween and stuff, which is like good probably the best of all of them but then they they go downhill so fucking quickly yeah. i mean friday the 13th in my opinion is a horrendous movie and it is essentially just a real yeah dude horrendous horrendous like, badass <laughs> so scary no it like the first one is okay because the mom's the killer you know and that's like the whole thing jason's not even in the fucking movie um but it, it's literally a uh, I think jason's in the movie jason is not in the first movie He's not on Friday the 13th? No, he's in part two. Jason doesn't come a thing until part two. Are you serious? Jason is a character in the first movie that yeah, dies. Yeah, little dead boy. And his mom's sh- the killer. Sh- sh- I, thought he was, I thought he was still in it. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Jason X is the only thing that matters. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows it. Jason in space is the best one. <laughs> oh my god no so like those movies like friday the 13th part 2 completely rips off two murders from bay of blood and bay of blood is considered now to be the first slasher movie while still being a jalo film but mm. we'll get to that we'll yeah. get to that. a hybrid <laughs> it's a hybrid but if it weren't for these jalo films that I... literally define 70s horror like they started in the 60s but they literally, literally. define literally define 70s horror <laughs> these were the some of the most popular horror films of the time um, wow. Which is fucking crazy. Um, wow. Wow. I mean, but yeah, they're they're very highly stylistic, and like that's the that's the charm of them. It's part of it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot going on with these films. There's a very. It's a. It's like a big collage of a film. Yeah. It's a taking, lot of different taking stuff. from a lot of areas, and yeah. it's like whoa. Tons of influence, and you can like see it in the film too, which is cool. Appreciate it. I do too. Um, <laughs> it's my fucking favorite. Um, yeah, and as this style goes on, as we get into the mid to late 70s, towards the end of the er- like era of these movies, uh, they're fucking crazy. Like, they're, like, psychedelic, and yeah, like they're like you're on acid. Yeah. Uh, to cert- to certain parts of them, like, aspects. Well, they took all the best parts, and then they... they just kept refining it. <laughs> yeah. Kept refining and it. And then the 60s happened, and <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay, like, let's run along with that thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this movie came out in, I want to say, 63... 65 in that time period mm. so th- this what we're talking about tonight once we get uh kind of talk about the style of all this stuff uh blood and black lace is definitely like acid and acid culture influence psychedelic culture fuck yeah oh is impressionism yeah. expressionism surrealism those lights oh, oh it's all about the lights God, it's all about the lights, the lights. so good so without this, we wouldn't have Mike Myers, we wouldn't have Jason, we wouldn't have Freddy Krueger, we wouldn't have Ghostface. Are you kidding me? No Austin Powers? <laughs> no Austin Powers. I know, dude. <laughs> Baby. Um, so let's talk about where these films come from. No Puppet Master. You guys want to do that? <laughs> there wouldn't be a Puppet Master. There wouldn't be Chucky. None of that shit would exist. <laughs> I'm fine without Chucky, but... Dude, what? <laughs> the first Chucky is amazing. It's like Hellraiser. I know, but it can't, it, 
it went way too far. Chucky, and then, yeah, no, and then no. it just becomes like fucking boob and dick humor, and you're like, what? Yeah, is happening? but it's Brad Dorf the whole time, and Brad Dorf is so awesome. I was in that Barry so Sandler awesome. class, and he was, and he had like a friend who like was the writer for like Chucky Eight or whatever, and. <laughs> And like Seed he was Chucky. like he's gonna Skype with us. He was like like I fucking loved Barry. Like he was Barry was super cool. But like this was just like everybody was like oh my god we get to Skype with this guy because he wrote <laughs> fucking Chucky Eight. And like the whole class got we had to watch the movie and then the whole class skyped with him. Even and if it was uh, like, this is fucking awful. I'm uh, I remember you telling me about that after it happened. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's like sounds so cool. It's like, oh, I'm gonna talk to a screenwriter in Hollywood, and it's like, but he wrote the eighth or ninth Chucky movie. Yeah, <laughs> he's just doing a blow in his hotel room in yeah. Hollywood. <laughs> oh, you guys seen Spiria, man? This shit's amazing. <laughs> I just spent all my money for the script. <laughs> what kind of Chucky movie we can do next? He got married in the last one. Should he have a kid? He's a kid. That's please, what happens. Please let me write the next one. I need the money. <laughs> It makes sense. It makes sense that he would, you know. Yeah, he wrote Chucky 8. Splur. <laughs> but the original Chucky is awesome. Anyways. <laughs> Back to Jalo. Back to the Jalo. Back to where Anywho. all that comes from. The reason that guy's doing coke in his hotel room is because of these movies we're talking about right here. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> we so, do coke off the back of giants. <laughs> <laughs> So, giallo's the Italian word for yellow. And the reason this genre is named after the Italian word for yellow is because back in the 20s, late 20s, 29, I think, when the first one was published, and through the 40s, these pulp novels were published in uh, Italy. And it was Raymond Chandler, Agatha Christie. It was your standard, like, pulp writers at the time, what ended up being the sources of film noir or uh, several other mystery films at the time. Uh, were all released in Italy under the name Ijalo Mandadori, yeah, which is Mandadori Yellow, is literally translated. Yeah, but they so were just the all publisher. the crime stories. Ar- Arnaldo Mandadori was the publisher, and you know he named it after himself because he's because he's no business. <laughs> <laughs> and then they become yeah. so popular that everyone just called him Jalo. Well, and Arnaldo was not happy. That, I don't know how he felt. <laughs> that took some time. I'm sure he was happy. People started buying the novels again. Yeah. These novels were like those fucking Tencent cheap-ass novels that people didn't give a shit if they were well-written or not. They just wanted to fucking read a mystery. And eventually, these books become not well-written. Well, there was um, no Rick and Morty, so... Well, it was also that they wanted to <laughs> forget about how hungry they were. And how many goddamn diseases they had. Well, 29 in Italy wasn't... Uh, it was pretty bad. Yeah, you're going into fashion any, any, shit. Yeah, any yeah, time yeah, before this bad. time. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But all of these books had yellow covers. And I realized today, when I was writing the outline for this thing, that Pulp Fiction by Tarantino, the cover for that is a yellow cover, which the pulp novels oh. in America were not released with yellow covers all the, like it's a yellow cover I thought it was that black cover with uh, Uma Thurman the original is yellow with Uma Thurman ah uh, that's Kill Bill <laughs> I'm just kidding 
Only huh. Kill Bill had yellow. He has like and he, Uma he has like Thurman. yellow accents in it. It's it's like Uma Thurman in the thing, and then it has these this yellow thing around it, and then the stills on top of all the different actors. Mm. Like it looks like it literally looks like a an old uh, Jello Mondadori cover, which is I'm sure intentional. Um, yeah, kind of cool. And it also these movies had a huge impact on Tarantino, which we will talk about later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into yeah. it. So, so nowadays, Giallo in Italy just means a crime story in a crime novel. If you go say, I want to grab me that uh, crime novel. Yeah. Give me a Giallo. Give me that crime novel. Give me a Giallo. I want a Giallo to read. I would like a crime novel lemon. I will take a uh, Giallo Venti uh, half calf uh, <laughs> with light whip. So the first of these novels to actually be adapted into a film was The Postman Always Rings Twice. That was uh, called... Ossession. Ossession. The Lucino Visconti movie. Um, which uh, is actually really... It's a really fucking great movie. It's actually for for, for what it is. Yeah, I, I heard that it for what didn't it is. quite, uh, like, you know, go far enough for it to be kind of considered a giallo it's not but it was cons- the first you know just giallo adapted it, film it's the first at this time giallo is only associated with the novels so like it's the first technical giallo novel exactly yeah that was adapted but it's a neorealist film and it had a huge impact on film noir that in that film in particular did have a huge impact on film noir yeah um i like actually had to watch that in a film noir class um and it's a pretty good movie um very bleak uh, which is something that happens in these Jalo films too. They're very bleak. I watched a lot of bleak films in in uh, movie class. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the good ones were were bleak. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, but it took about twenty more years before another another Jalo novel to be adapted in Italy, um, which is uh, quite a while, especially since in that time period, all those novels were being adapted in America as film noirs, uh, and they were worldwide successes and had a huge impact on the French new wave, which was going to start around the same time that Jalo starts mm. like just before it, honestly. Um, do you think the sex and violence may have had something to do with that? Like it, it wasn't like the right time maybe to make a movie that featured, well, these books didn't feature sex and violence as much. Like, <laughs> okay. So that was just, that was, that was something at the time. That was a result <laughs> of the sixties. Yeah. So like before, that when seems you... like a big trope of it. That seems like a big, big chunk. Oh, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so like the majority, the, if you really want to like retain like the ad- adaptations of these novels that are Jalo, you should honestly just go find the adaptations that were film noirs. Cause they're going to be way closer to the actual stories. The only thing the Jalos really took from adapting these books was the murder mystery aspect, oh, for like sure. the actual mystery. Yeah, um, they're the de- the detective fiction, but uh, like outside of that, they added all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And like the sex is kind of there because like that comes in with film noir as well, like the sexiness and the femme fatale. But there are no femme fatales in in Jalo. Yeah. Oh, there are, but the, you know they're femme fatals because they just get fucking yeah. murdered. Well, they're not yeah. like well, they're not would, like seductive, powerful women. I would argue in the two films that I watched, femme fatality, that the woman turns out to be the killer. So, and those are rarities. <laughs> and those are rarities. Those are actually weird. Like it. So, blood in and black both lace films. and the bro with the crystal plumage. The woman turns out. Well, in blood and black lace, it's both Cameron Mitchell and yeah. Uh, well, yeah. last night, as I stated before, uh, I was falling <laughs> asleep 
quite frequently. So I was just like, great, this chick did it. Super great. <laughs> <laughs> I, <was in> bed. <laughs> no, I didn't even way. notice that the dude did it. it too. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. I was just like, all right, whatever. It's, I don't know why. That doesn't make sense. Why was she killing all the girls that like fucking worked at her fucking place? That makes no sense. She's murdering her employees. Whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about that when we talk about the movie. It's definitely because she was married to the actual murderer. Yes. Um. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I got that. I got that on the second take. Pick that up. Pretty easy. Pretty easy to follow then. Yeah. When I was awake. Yeah, that tends to help. Yeah. Uh, so the first actual Jalo film to be produced was The Girl Who Knew Too Much which is also directed by Mario Baba, who yeah. did Blood and Black Lace. Which was his second film. Uh, second Jalo film. Right. So, oh, okay. Yeah, before... This is literally his first film. The the one uh, that you're talking about right now. No, the Girl, the girl Who Knew Too Much. No, no, no. The Girl Who Knew Too Much is like his third or fourth film. The first Jalo film. It's his first Jalo film, and it's the first Jalo film. He also directed the first science fiction film in Italy a few years beforehand. There nice. hadn't been a science fiction film directed. So this guy was doing innovative shit his entire life. Who directed the first tentacle porn in Japan? A true innovator. Tetsuo, the Iron Man. <laughs> so uh, the girl who knew too much ended up being the least commercially successful film in Mario Bava's career. Like, it made, like, nothing back. I mean, and it was, like, $150,000, $200,000 budget. It made, like, twenty seven grand. Yeah. Um, it was playing in like fucking X-rated theaters, just like oh, just fucking yeah. People just put this like, on in between. Yeah, <laughs> let's just watch this really bad like gore fest in between the porno. Um, Fuck yeah, because there's probably tits in it, right? I think there are, but it's the so, first one still. I'm not because there aren't any in Blood and Black Lace. They the, just get but close. Uh, yeah, they get. Mm. I, I, think I think there's almost a tit. There's almost. When that girl's wearing that almost. like see-through uh, kind of, not mesh, but you know, it's it's just like. I was thinking when she, one of the girls on was it. getting dragged away, <laughs> like her just, she almost, she almost had a titty out. Oh. Oh yeah, you're right. No, but she almost did. I don't think she that. She almost had you a titty. Seen, you see a nipple. Bitch almost had a titty out. It was like, is that a titty? Do I see a titty? Oh, almost. Ah, uh, mouse. Yeah. Oh, oh they mouse. cut. They cut too quickly. I was the, about to see it. The nudity didn't come till later, for sure. Yeah. But it's like a psycho thing, uh, which we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like they were still playing with like the classics at the time. Like there were still classic horror movies coming out, and like there wasn't nudity yet. Mm. It was like a, it wasn't a staple. It becomes a staple. There's definitely nudity in Argento's Stapled first. Stapled nudity. This the this film, the the girl who knew too much, actually didn't become commercially successful until The Bird with the Crystal Plumage came out, which is Argento's first first film. I'm pretty sure it's his first movie, um, and it's his first shallow, obviously. And because of all this, Mario Bava didn't look back very fondly on the girl. He's like, "Damn, I fucked up." <laughs> yeah, he didn't really love that movie. He made oh, he, I f I fuck it up. It was a to Pepeste. Nope, that is French. That's a French accent. Nope. Nope, just there. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. A pizza pie, mamma mia, a cannoli, a rigatoni, lasagna. Okay, there we go. I got it. The film was too preposterous. Perhaps it could have worked with James Stewart and Kim Novak. Whereas I had, oh, well, uh, I can't even remember their names. <laughs> Some stupid fuck faces. 
He actually said that. He did not even remember the names of the people who starred in The Girl Who Knew Too Much. He was just like, it would have worked better if it was the cast of Vertigo, mm. which is hilarious um, and fucked up. But he got it made, baby. Well, he he went he bounced back <laughs> how did from that get made? basically yeah. How did that get made? How did he continue making movies after that kind of financial loss? Yeah, because that movie didn't make more money for another almost ten years. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what were his fucking I'm previous saying. two or three movies? Um, how were he, they doing? He did the day the sky exploded. Um, he did Black Sunday, which was a really popular gothic horror Black movie. Black Sunday, I feel like I've heard of that. I'm sure you have. It's a really popular black or gothic horror movie that it's really influential <laughs> on really? this genre and a lot of other films. So uh, <laughs> Blood and Black Lace is what establishes the genre, basically. It like fully realizes the genre and people it's can best. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> People point to it and go, okay, so that's where all those things were established. You got your colorful lighting and your mass killer and all that kind of stuff. Um, As I was watching this, I was wondering, because I, I knew like some of the themes, the conventions and whatnot. Uh, and it, the first per- the, there wasn't a lot of first person in this, though, was there? No, there's, I don't think there was any. Was this was that something that was more established later on? Because wasn't that one of like kind of the convention, one of the tropes of it? It's one of the big tropes of it, and it is not established until later on in the era. It, it's really until Argento comes on the scene. Uh, Argento really like he he doesn't reinvent the genre, but he added a lot more stuff to it. So the first time you really see that is like the bird with the crystal plumage. You get lots of like first person points of view. Um, and that just becomes more and more and more as yeah. the, this, this, like this genre I think like it, it picked up on a lot of different things and it uses them in a lot of them, but it goes in and out, you know, movie to movie, obviously, like from those different things because, I don't know, hopefully because people are trying to be artistic. Well, I don't yeah, know, not like, every single one of There are a these. lot of artistic films that are giallo, but I think that, like, I, I saw a very artistic one, which I uh, think is Blood and Black Lace, which is also hilarious. And especially the dub is so funny. But like the bird with the crystal plumage was like a little, uh, it was a lot less crazy and more like tame and just kind of straight laced. But the violence is a lot more graphic. It's not. I wouldn't say so. It, but we'll, I mean, we can yeah, talk about that later, I suppose. We'll talk but, about that when we get But it doesn't it, even yeah. matter. We're not going to talk about crystal plumage a lot, I suppose. But it's only rel- like important to talk about in that it, it brings Dario Argento to the scene. And after that movie got made, it made Giallo internationally successful. And after he released that movie, there were like 68 Giallo films produced from 71 to 73. Like in just two years, (laughs) they made like almost 70 movies of this genre. (gasps) Oh my God. Which is insane. And they were all really popular. That's awesome. And it was because of the bird with the crystal plumage. It gave, it gave people something that like a little bit more easily a digestible. Going to like a Jalo art show slash Halloween party would be the coolest fucking thing ever. <laughs> just like crazy lights and oh, it's a murder mystery party. <laughs> People are just really getting murdered. Yeah, that's a that's a movie. It'd be so fun. <laughs> nobody, I'm just th- I'm just thinking it is really cool. It is a really cool idea, but nobody has the drunk attention span to actually keep on. Like I, I feel like a Halloween party just in general is that like a good Halloween party already is that <laughs> minus the murder mystery theme because it's like it's like what the fuck are we gonna do we're just let's just fucking keep drinking like what well do you mean I, I meant more theme? so what like you, if you had like a party at an art gallery and like had a bunch of installments of like Jalo you know 
shit and made it really cool. And like everyone acted responsibly and it was fun party. Yeah, you would have to keep <laughs> the jello cool or else it would melt. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Jello shots at the jello party. <laughs> it's the jello jello. <laughs> so after Blood and Black Lace came out, people like really latched onto this genre. Several more jello films were made until Dario Argento came on the scene. And that in 1970, and that is like what blows Jalo into an international realm. And we will talk he all about that. Fucking changed the game. He changed the game. He changed the goddamn game. So we'll talk all about that in our next episode. But moving on from that, we're gonna have to talk about some of the influences on on this genre. Um, who, who influenced the goddamn genre? Hit us genre? with those influences. <laughs> What's up with them influences? So this genre is by by far the most influenced by Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, it's depressing. It's it's gothic horror <laughs> at its best. And a lot of these movies were based on Poe stories. Some of the best titles uh, came, came out of his adaptations, like Your Vice is a Locked Room and Only I Have the Key, which is a fucking awesome title. It's creepy. It's, it's just, just like, so good. Just fucking... Just get Dude, a, get a, don't these, say that all, to me. All these titles <laughs> sound like like mid two thousands emo bands, like emo and indie bands. Well, it, there's a huge. Uh, it's another thing where it's like it's not it doesn't have to have this to be a Jalo film, but like a lot of titles for Jalo films have uh, numbers. Uh, what is it? Numbers, colors, and animals. Yeah, like four flies on gray velvet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a huge fucking thing. It's fucking awesome. It's just so many titles just like that. So it's that one's so it really does sound like emo bands in South Florida. Yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. No, exactly. <laughs> totally. But they're these titles are super broke and like they have like a root in art history to a certain extent. And a lot of them are the result of multiple versions of these movies existing and having to rename the movie a dozen fucking times yeah. for the different countries it's coming out in. We'll get all into that. And, and those band names come from, uh, from those kids <laughs> reading Edgar Allan Poe. And, and then watching and then, these no, fucking I, movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And being like... Oh, and fucking masturbating. I'm like, gonna be a writer right after yeah. I fucking come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like writing anymore. <laughs> my motivation <laughs> dun, 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 dun. So, specifically in this movie blood and black lace the one that we're going to talk about later tonight all of the sequences uh with all the like really like distinctive color is like homage to mask of the red death by edgar Allan poe and specifically the roger corman vincent price movie where i don't know if you guys have seen that i have not that sounds that sounds like fun you've seen it with me Oh, I have seen it. You've watched it with me. Okay. <laughs> I think I know what film that is now that you say that, because I don't think I've, I've watched many It's about a Vincent Satanist Price who has like movies. a series of rooms that are all different colors. Ah. He murders people. Yeah. Yeah. It's similar to that. But very that's fun. an homage. So they, these films are like very gothic horror-y, and then they're super influenced by Alfred Hitchcock. And opera, which I, th I found very interesting. About yeah. like finding like reading about this genre and finding out that it's just like associated with opera because of how fucking crazy like high stakes opera is pretty yeah, much very exaggerated <laughs> yeah 
uh, the well, op- it's just how like I, yeah I don't know like how lofty how like I don't know how like high society it it, it, it like the film we watched so far is about like a high fashion institute like these aren't like lowly people this is like you know high society folks and like the horrors happening to them and everything too I feel like it's it's for sure and that's a common trope in a lot of these movies is it's it's high society it's it's people of, of prominence or wealth that are being affected by the murders or are committing the murders themselves. I'm traveling the country or like, I'm a supermodel. I hope I don't get murdered. I'm an art (laughs) dealer and I do the murdering. Am I going to get murdered? (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's, there's lots of that in this. And a lot of that comes from things like, um, from Hitchcock and from films like peeping Tom by Michael Powell, which is about a photographer, like a high fashion photographer who uses his camera to spy on women and then eventually start murdering them. Mm-hmm. It's very creepy horror film from the 50s. Very cool. Um, you know, some say these movies are sexist and misogynist, but I just say they just already knew that girls like to be choked a little. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, that stems back to uh, the Neolithic area. <laughs> era. Era. Area. The area Aria. where people were being Neoliths. <laughs> Oh. I'm a real Neolith. <laughs> <laughs> Another huge influence on these movies are the uh, Creamies, the German Creamies. The Creamies. 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 The Creamies. 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 The Creamy. <laughs> Not the Creamies. <laughs> the Creamy Awards. Which is short for, and I'm going to let Dan take this. Criminal. <laughs> Criminal Creams. Criminal Roman. Is that, is that the one I was supposed to yeah, say? Yeah, I think that's it. Great. Yeah, well, Roman, as, as, as we Creamy found Roman. out in Coming of Age, Roman is just a book. Yeah, it's a story. <laughs> so it's criminal novels, it's, pretty much. Yeah, you know, crime, crime It's novels. crime stories. It's crime stories. No, but these, these particular these films are based on a specific author's works. It's They're all based on Edgar Wallace novels. And what they share in common with um, Jalo is it's usually a mass killer. It has a like a detective element or a murder mystery element to it, and the killer is usually revealed by the end of the movie. Hitler uh, influenced the mass killing, right? <laughs> the Nazis for sure. They're like, let's just make this into books. Come on, the war's ending. Oh, I want to read about this. <laughs> So the connection between Creamies... No, they came out in like the 60s, didn't they? The Creamies came out... Did, the, they you, started in 59. Mm, okay. Say it again. Creamies? Creamies. It really, over here, it sounds like you're saying Creamies. <laughs> Every single it's like, time it sounds well, like you're it's, saying Creamies. Yeah. Creamies? It, it probably is what it sounds like in... Creamies. Like, in German. Creamies. 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 It's a difficult Kremis. subgenre to pronounce. <laughs> yeah, because it just looks like creamy. Yeah. <laughs> creamy. It's just, it's just so creamy. <laughs> it's so creamy. Creamy. It's about a boo and a creamy. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. It's so creamy. <laughs> the cannoli, it's got a wonderful feeling. It's so, so they get a little, little bit of chocolate on the end. Of the world, the fellow, so it cooks, so creamy. <laughs> Oh, the ravioli and the pasty. So the crimes, the crimes, <laughs> the crimes. The, the films are, are related to Jalo so much that the the sole producer, They're practically cousins. The sole producer, pretty much the sole producer of the these 
the German films. I'm not going to say that fucking word again. Um, Rialto film. They as as the interest in the crimes started dwindling, they started just going. Well, they're really popular in Italy, and then there's this other genre that's that's similar that's really popular. Let's just produce those movies. So like one of the last crimes is actually a Jalo film as well. It's yeah. like both. So there's a crossover there between the two, and it happens in the late '60s. Um, but that's like a big influence on the genre, just like the murder mystery aspect, proving that those murder mysteries can be successful in 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 a market. Um, in like another in like another market in like the German market, you're saying in the general market, but like they they use the Italian market as like kind of the the case in point. I'm just saying, I imagine Jalo German films to be just Jalo films, but everybody's in like leather straps and bondage and gimp suits. Well. There were never, that's German, there right? were never, yeah, <laughs> but there never really were Jalo German yeah. films. The Jalo film is pretty distinctive because it usually has has to be Italian. Now there are some Spanish language ones from Spain, and like Brian De Palma made one in 1980 that like you could kind of consider Jalo. But well, like now typic- you say that, but in Italy, Jalo just refers to any crime novel now and crime story. Like, but not necessarily American the genre. But well, we're talking about the genre of film, like the Jalo okay. genre of film. But it's okay. typically, yes. it's typically an Italian director and an Italian crew with an international cast. Hmm. Um, and some there are some Spanish ones from Spain. Even and- inside of the Jalo. Uh, like some films that are considered Jalo by other people are not considered Jalo, and it really becomes this fine line. Yes, I think that is sort of silly. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there's some silliness to like the purists and stuff. Yeah, it's, like it's kind of just like like you have to adhere to all these rules to become this genre. But like as a artist, hopefully you're taking some of this and like you know putting your own thing to it as well so it's i don't know well it's interesting about the genre is it becomes a genre of subversion like by the time you get to the end of it argento is constantly taking elements of giallo and trying to make different kinds of movies with them that aren't necessarily giallo and that's where people start to get really there's different levels of purists in giallo that like have different levels of like what it takes to be giallo yeah there, there definitely are. Some people think it has to contain all of these things. Like, it has to be a mass killer. They have to have leather gloves. There has to be brutal murders. There has to be naked women. Like, it has to be And is that even the directors, though, having mystery. those thoughts? Or is it, like, just fucking it's, people it's, on the internet these days? It's people on the internet these days. <laughs> it's people who grew up watching movies. Because the directors at the time, all they, all they wanted to do was make good movies. And so these murder mysteries served as good easy stories for them to be do crazy visuals and set up and all these Jala movies were coming out and that was a good way to roll because they were popular and it was like it was just rolling with the fads of the time and so it's just like let's just like people like this shit let's make this film over and over exactly (laughs) I mean you have directors like Joe D'Amato who's known for making pornos who just started making Jalo films and horror films because they were popular and he he and he could keep the titties around he made titillating (laughs) very very erotic horror movies he also made some really great horror movies anthropophagia is supposed to be one of the greatest zombie cannibal movies of all time it's, it's a directed by a war, like a porno director who made a bunch of these shallow films um or worked in the genre at least a lot. so there is hope all you porn directors out there well Wes craven worked in porn too <laughs> i'm sure he did uh, no, he talks about it in a documentary <laughs> <laughs> um 
it, it was just, yeah, it was popular at the time. And like directors weren't like, we have to adhere to these things. They were just like influenced by each other. Like the reason Deep Red and Suspiria look the way they do is going to be because he, Dario Argento liked Blood and Black Lace. And he liked the way that uh, uh, Bava used color in Kill Baby Kill and stuff like that. I mean, you know, movies like that really mm. like, they just influenced each other. It was just like, and it, there weren't that many directors. I mean, they're a handful, but like, and they made this, they made so many fucking movies from 63 to 78. When yeah. The, it kind of ends. Out of all the like tropes of Jalo films, like I would say that like, there's like three key elements that are probably in most, if not all of them. And that's the murder mystery, the sex and the violence. Yep. That's like the three things that are like, those are the th most definitely going to be a part of the Jalo yeah. fucking story. It, yeah, it's the murder mystery, the sex, and the violence. The colors don't even have to be there, even though they're like rim they're like important. They there make are, the film better. Yeah, <laughs> there are directors who use more like quote unquote sedated colors and like muted colors, like uh, Lucio Volci. Volci. I'm pretty sure he's the one who... Lucio Volci. Lucio Volci. And Lucio he, I'm Volci sure is a piece he, of fucking shit. You need the colors. You need them to pop. You need them like a pop right in your fucking face, all right? I need neon. I need it bright. I need it, I need warm. I need cool. I need a fucking duality all over my goddamn face. Whoa. Cinematic <laughs> splooge, baby. He made more more psychologically focused films. Like his films focus more on the psychology of it all. Mm -hmm. And while like Argento and Baba like kind of vacillated between focusing on the psychology of it and focusing on just the style of making yeah. these movies, making these movies look really fucking good. We have talked about how the Grand Guignol theater played into this. Because the Grand Guignol, like the opera, it was like a subgenre of opera, but it was horror opera. It was horror theater. And they were known for doing graphic, immoral things on stage. And that has like a huge impact on like the genre itself being so gory and being so like, t like titillating. It's like the, scantily clad it's, it's like the opera that they see in uh, the talented Mr. Ripley. Oh yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. They're in Italy. Mm -hmm. And they're seeing it, and it's like, oh no! And all the blood, like, with rushing out of that mm -hmm. guy, like, with the um, blanket. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it's so good. That's exactly what that <laughs> is. That's that is Grand uh, Grand Guignol. Um, yeah, it's very sexy death. It's very sexy death. <laughs> Talented Mr. Ripley is a pretty sexy movie. Yeah, if you like Jude Law, he's a pretty sexy guy. Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow is not quite so sexy and you kind of feel bad for her in the movie <laughs> and, then, and then she's an idiot in real life so so obviously the most like important part of this genre what make what truly makes it important is the um gruesome murders the mysteries at the core of it but like truly at the core is depicting these just shocking murders and this gore and like ah! like the murder is the the yeah. murder is the horror. It is the most important part. It's what makes it the best. It, yeah, it's Wait, fucking murder awesome. is horrific. Since when? <laughs> horrendous. This is a this fucking movie is horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> so the typical plot for a Jalo film, and it's almost all of these movies deal with a mysterious killer stalking and butchering women, and they're always beautiful women. Yep. It they kill men sometimes, but it's always when like it's on their way to kill the woman. Women, yeah, they're trying <laughs> to kill. One is them. Ooh, 
Them big old titties just not moving at all. No jiggle, no wiggle. Just lay there. Ooh, perfect. That's great. Perfect. Great. Don't move. You're not moving? Great. That's you hot. You look great. <laughs> great. That's you hot. Great. That's hot and slowly cooling to room temperature. Perfect. Let me take off my mask. Oh, I'm a woman too. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. It's often men. It's often men. Um, often. The the most of these movies are based in reality. And they have a human killer, but occasionally there are supernatural elements. And that's when we're going to get into the Suspiria argument, because that's one of the big ones. And we'll talk about that in episode three. Um, so a, dip, a typical Jalo protagonist, Jolly protagonist, uh, is an outsider of some kind. They've traveled, they're a tourist, and they're usually a young woman. But in like The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, it's, it's not a young... It's a beautiful young man. It's a young man. With a mole on his face. Oh, can we talk about how in these movies nobody trusts the cops? Oh, yeah, it's a part of the thing, part of the, like, anarchist movement in Italy and, like, the, I I don't know, just that they're, like, very anti-government, which is healthy. The second time I watched this movie, when I actually saw this movie because I was awake, um, I, like, after... At at the end of uh, 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 Blood and Black Lace, I was certain like the ultimate killer, or, like the ultimate mastermind, was gonna be the detective. Like I thought he was gonna step out. <laughs> that like, happens just... for me in every film, in every single movie. I'm like, it's the fucking detective, <laughs> and then it's never the detective until you get to Dario Argento's opera, which is literally about the reference to the opera. And Don't then it's spoilers. Actually it is spoiled for me now it's fine you, you, you were not missing too I'm much. sure it's gonna be all right yeah, it's for sure. fine but I like to, I like to guess you know it, it is one of those things where the entire time you're watching these movies the detective seems like he might be the guy who's doing it well I mean because also like the it detective is kind joke. of a dick the whole time like all the detectives are like fucking well, assholes yeah, and every to character everyone. thinks, like, if they get caught with a dead body, the cops are going to be like, you did it. It was you. Yeah. Oh, my God. When <laughs> it when in Blood and Black Lace, like, uh, the girl finds the journal of the murdered girl, and every single person oh, gets, it, gets a it's the bum, best. bum, bum reaction. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they all fucking every single up. person in the room, like, a fucking five or six <laughs> different characters get their own close-up, and, like, bum, 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 oh, no. Dude, yep. it's the best, because literally, they, <laughs> that woman dies. <laughs> they literally push her dress onto someone else. They start wearing her clothes. They start looking through her shit. Oh, and yeah, then they no, no. read her diary. <laughs> it's literally like the worst shit ever. Wait, who did? Okay, it's fine. It's good. Somebody's going to wear the dress. Wait, where's the brooch? Oh, that was her brooch. Oh, it's cool. Oh, it's it's in one of these boxes shit. over here. Yeah, let's just fucking go through this dead chick's shit. It's <laughs> exactly it. They're like, oh look, I found a diary. Well, damn, there's some juicy shit in here. Everybody's yeah, like, everyone's the, like, what? oh what? fuck, there's some shit. Well, that. the one person who's the murderer, in there. <laughs> like one of the people who's accessory to the crime or whatever, is like, uh, let's not right now. No, no, this is not appropriate, guys. Come on, no, it's not. Just like, not yeah. right now. Yeah, we got a show to put on. Well, let me just take it home and I'll give it to the police tomorrow. It's so funny. I'm the one who found it. She pulled Finders Keepers. keepers. Yeah. Every Jordan single goes, she person literally in just this, pulled Finders Keepers law. Like every single person in this was fucking nervous and had an ulterior motive. 
Like, yeah, every oh, single it was person so had funny. It was motive. so fucking hilarious because uh, I was I was literally bringing up Always Sunny. Like it was like they should just make an Always Sunny Jalo episode because. Everyone is just looking out for themselves, and they've all got something to hide. It's all blackmail to like each other, yeah. and they're just like, "Oh no, no, no! Oh damn! There's this dead body in my backyard. Well, I don't want anyone to find out that this dead body is here. Yeah. So let me just move this because I've got other things to do. <laughs> this is going to um, inconvenience my entire afternoon. The the, El- the Elvira chick, the Elvira chick. You know the one I'm talking about. That yeah. had like the black short hair, like part of the She middle. was super cold to the other girl who's like, I live in the country. Will you please let me stay with you? And she's like, No, I want to live with myself. I want to yeah, be yeah. by myself. I didn't think Elvira, <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely not. Uh, no, she I, looked well, more I just like, thought uh, that from uh, the black parted hair and like yeah. the pale Elvira had and the red lipstick and shit. Elvira had the big hair. She was more like she did. Um, yes. Audrey Hepburn meets Elvira. She had okay. this like. She had this mousy look, but then she had that like cold Elvira. Yeah. She, but she was Buff, she was like too pale her. for anything but Elvira. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. She, I mean, she definitely like she definitely leaned towards the Elvira, but that haircut was like totally Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. But it was like pixie. She, she was like she seemed like the only one who didn't actually have anything to hide, yeah. much to hide. She, and then she was just like killed as a side note at the end. Yeah. Just like, as like a oh yeah, and job. also kill this bitch. But also <laughs> seemed like one of the most suspicious ones just because of her evil spider like look. Yeah. yeah, but it was just because she was like looking out for herself and like didn't yeah. give a fuck. She was the tough girl. She yeah. was cool as fuck. Yeah, I mean, she I loved was, her. That's why she's the last one to die. She and she dies fave. in the most beautiful way. She also like, dies in the most just like oh yeah. Also, by the way, yeah, she got <laughs> drowned. Go yeah, but that scene is great. That scene is great. Like the, it's shot well. Oh, it looks great. Yeah, for it, fucking it sure. looks good. I'll tell you, this movie was also very mysterious and everything, considering that the first time I watched it, I say that with air quotes, um, and <laughs> fell asleep a bunch. Um, I thought that the, I thought that solely the woman was the killer. So then, when I was actually watching it today, um, I was like. That is definitely a dude in like the <laughs> fucking in Drag. the costume, like murdering all these people. Oh um, so, yeah, when they cut and yeah. like it's the woman. That's so yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. But then no, like later in the in the murders that she's supposed to commit, it seems like it's more like a woman in the mur- in like the costume and everything. But yeah, no, just initially I was like, what the fuck? This is a fucked up because like that's definitely a dude like picking those people up just oh, yeah, so sure. easily and the, the s- musculature of a man. The scene where he's about to burn the one woman's face. Oh my in, god! In his little lair, and she rips Brutal. his mask off, and you can like tell it's Cameron Mitchell just for a second. Yeah, and like it's barely, and then you're like, "Oh, that's a man." And then just looks like an old man. Yeah, pretty much. You're it's, like, oh, it's really quick. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, so, but I was like, "It's got to be Cameron Mitchell." And then he like burns her face, and that scene's great. That scene's crazy. Well, I with these brutal. with these films, I really didn't expect like the whole. I, I don't know. I, w- I wasn't uh, sure how it was going to be with the actual killers. Like how much I didn't think that they would be, you would find out who they actually were. Like a murder mystery would go. Like I thought it was, often. you know, cause like obviously this is like uh, what the slasher movie like turned out to be. And it's not like, you know, like I guess you know who the slasher guy is, but he's like a weird supernatural figure. So that's weird too. Well, except when like, look at scream. Scream wouldn't exist without these movies, and Scream is, at the end of the movie, it's just two of the kids in school. Yeah. And, like, the way it's shot and it's a parody, there's definitely, like, a scene, like, the one with him and with the two killers and Jamie Kennedy in the blockbuster or whatever, and they're being intimidating. If you know that 
they're the killers, it's super obvious. Because like the way that they're talking, just the dialogue so laced with subtext, you're like, well, they're the ones who did it. <laughs> and what's great about these Jalo movies is they throw so many red herrings. Like in the Bird yeah. with the Crystal Plumage, there's like eight different moments where you're like, oh, well, that's the killer. And they have the gl- the gloves come out, and you're like, oh, well, that's the killer. You know, and there's just so many times where they just, they throw you for a loop, and that's why you constantly think the detectives are the killer yeah. or the other. Literally, person's that the one guy, he's like they they had mentioned that he like smokes cigars and he's fucking yeah. like English or whatever, and like that guy is like just smoking a cigar and he's like, huh, sounds something familiar on the tape or something. And yeah. He's just like, can I take this home? <laughs> you're yeah. just like uh, uh, that, that guy did the it. Killer. <laughs> that, that guy fucking did, did it. it. Yeah, he, he didn't. Do, he's like killed. Yeah. <laughs> a day later. Like, yeah. Oh. Listen, Friday the Thirteenth, Jason, Freddy, you know all these things. Those are great, but a dick going through an ear in scary movie one. <laughs> That's what I really thank Jalo for. <laughs> it does. Was, it wouldn't exist without it. Bring I, up I know what you movie. did last summer is like a reference to Jalo, <laughs> like all those teen slasher movies. So it is directly responsible for Scream, or well, for uh, scary, scary movie, movie no, one. No, yeah, scary movie one. Scary movie six. Scary movie one and two. Okay, not three, not anything beyond that, but one and two. For sure, one. Because two was more of an exorcist. David scary. Cross blows himself in two, okay? <laughs> oh, no, two is amazing. But I, I don't know if Jalo had anything to do with two. Probably the sex, um, the sex it, no, and horror uh, it, elements. Absolutely. Oh, right. No, you're it right. wouldn't <laughs> exist. Because without, without Jalo, Scream wouldn't exist. And without Scream, Scary Movie wouldn't exist. <laughs> right. So, yes, it absolutely. absolutely. We owe, Jalo, uh, owe Scary <laughs> Movie to Jalo. Well, if, without Jalo, Scream... And I know what you did last summer wouldn't exist, and that That's is literally a scary movie. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. You're and right. If um, <laughs> if those movies, scary movies, didn't exist, then I like, would kill myself. Awesome oh, wait, films what? like yeah. Movie Forty Three and Disaster Movie, an <laughs> epic movie. All these cool movies Listen wouldn't exist. <laughs> Listen, Alan. We either die the hero or we live long enough to see ourselves become the villain. All right. We've, That's uh, we the Jalo in a nutshell. Our heroes on the backs of villains. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So protagonists in these movies are generally unconnected to the murders until they witness a crime, and, and they're like, they "Hey, witness- I want to go like explore these crimes and figure out what's going on." Yeah, come and- on, Scoob. Would you do it for a fucking biscuit, you dumb fucking dog? <laughs> Police aren't doing their job. <laughs> Well, I can't trust the police. I have to do this myself. The bird with the crystal plumage does that a lot. Like, that's the plot, basically. And I honestly don't think that was a trope until that movie. His girlfriend's so hot in that movie. Yes. Banging. I didn't see it. Banging. Bangering. But I don't... I don't think that I don't like blood and black lace does not involve like someone who witnesses a crime and then becomes involved because of, you know... The plot. It's just like Rat Race, the horror movie. Yeah, that's what Blood and Black Lace feels like. It's like everybody trying to get this one diary and people are dying. And Whoopi Goldberg? (laughs) It's John Lovitz. Um, I do not want to work at Home Depot. (laughs) So at the end of these movies, almost always the killer's identified and and their motive is identified as well. And the killer's almost always revealed in the climax. Almost always at the end of the movie. It's... 
always a major character and they've always concealed their identity and there's always red herrings. We've already said all of those things. It happens so much in this though. It happens so much in these movies though that it's comedic. But like, it it's happens, worth repeating. It happens hard. So most jolly adhere to this structure and a few throw those conventions out the window. A, a notable one is Hatchet for the Honeymoon because uh, in that movie the killer is actually the protagonist. But most importantly, I think these what's notable about these films is that they all employ an, an intentional lack of focus on logical or coherent narrative storytelling. It, and Intentionally. It makes, it's inten- it it's makes in- it a lot of fun. It makes it fun, but it's, it, it's worth noting that it is intentional most of the time. Uh, they disregard realism, and a lot of that is seen in the acting, dialogue, and character motivation. There was so <laughs> many... And a lot of that is seen in the movie. <laughs> There were so many bad scripts and bad directors making Jalo films that they're just like it's part of the style. But the good ones. Oh do yeah, it. no, no, it's just it's, no, no, it's just artistic license. It's not like we didn't give a fuck. No, the good ones do it's it. It's not like I'm, we were just I'm all a porn director. Okay, so Joe D'Amato does it to great effect. Dario Argento also does it to great effect. They use them as. Can you like, believe I'm a porn director? I've directed pornos. <laughs> the great, the most famous Italian pornos of the time. Ah, the porno. The best the pornos you've ever had. Okay, it's a mama's pornos. Nobody <laughs> likes a ma- makes a porno like a my mama make a porno. Okay, I'm a mama make the best porno you've ever had. I had the first porno right to your doorstep for you. Oh my gosh, you love a Oh, the porno It's so so saucy on your face. <laughs> Eat my porno. Yeah, Try my porno. We'll have to do Mama an entire porno, series yeah. on Joe D'Amato's pornos. <laughs> That's going to have to be a thing because there's literally there's a four-part porno. A four-part porno? You mean a uh, I closed my browser and I'm never going to find that video again? No, it's... I'm uh, not going to finish a four-part. I'm done after one part. They're horror parodies, too. It's All like right. Night of... Uh, or it's a Night of the Fucking Dead or something like that. Oh, and like It's like funny. a zombie Sexy. horror movie. Like, zombie <laughs> let's, porno. Let's just make a slideshow on the history of porn. Each of us, individually, as individuals, <laughs> will all make our own. And then we'll present them on the podcast through an audio medium. If that doesn't sound like success, I don't know what does. If we get paid for it... <laughs> I'll make a slideshow, I swear. He's just talking about something that's not happening. Most of these kill sequences are meant to invoke voyeurism, and so Blood and Black Lace doesn't do it so much. Ooh, I'm looking at you. I'm in the bushes. I see your panties. Oh, look at your panties. Let me touch them. Let me smell them. (laughs) Um, And because of the voyeuristic aspects of the movie, we often see the black leather gloves, which are like iconic to the genre in the first person point of view. And he's usually holding a knife. Um, Dude, when when the killer in Blood and Black Lace is literally just like fucking bashing that woman's head against the tree and just like roughing her up, like choking her, it's pretty fucking brutal. brutal. Yeah. It's it's meant to be grisly. I I think it's much more brutal than the kill scenes in like Crystal Plumage. Like I thought the Crystal Plumage were kind of artistic but very bland. Some of them were, were really bland. Um, I thought that Blood and Black Lace handled murders in a fun way. That girl getting her face uh, burned was very um, uh, effective. 
It was scary. But effective, you made it makes you go, ooh, like where you clench up your anus and you're like, ooh, ah, oh, ah, God, I don't want my face burned. Yeah, I can feel yeah. that. Yeah. 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 That's how I mean. Even yeah. though it's so campy and so like fucking cheesy, it's still, you're still, like, still so. Because it's it's well executed. That's like yeah. something that's really important to these this genre is it it is schlocky and it is campy, but it's so well executed that the gore is actually pretty fucking uncomfortable. Okay, when we but started the, the but movie, the fucking I was scared. The, the suit the suit of armor kill the suit of armor kill with like the weird fucking oh yeah claw like, thing claw in her thing. face. I I was like, did they just find this at a fucking thrift shop? They were like, ooh, a claw thing that could kill somebody. Like, uh-huh. let's fucking put that in. Like that just I was like, kind what, of. Why did you have a claw still thing? effective though in my in 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 my regard? Like, it I was, was just the like, weird. It was well, a very strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like this does not seem like an effective tool. It was an improvised tool. A lot of these movies, though, are challenging each other to kill the people in creative ways. And even though this is the second movie and the only other movie before this was made by the same person, um, that that kind of escalation you will see throughout the genre is like the further it goes along, the more and more the directors are like, let's find a fucking weird ass way to stab this person in the face. <laughs> and like that happens. Like, I'm I mean, back. Behind the back, Mario Baba literally in one in Bay of Blood cuts a man's face in half with a with a claw hook, and claw it's hook? Show, and it's all shown. It gets way more graphic as it moves on. Very bloody. A claw hook. A claw hook. Oh right, it's a like, claw hook. It actually, it's actually like a machete <laughs> with like a big claw on the end. It's like a like, giant. Like, is sword it like hooked? Claw. Yeah, it's, it's like hooked. hooked. It's like a big hook. That makes sense. If you look at the cover, he's hooking a woman's neck in the in the water, and he's cutting. Oh, her like one open. of those old timey like the stage thing where it's like, like a oh, cane. that joke's not it's good enough. It's a machete enough. cane. Like, go, 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 go. Yeah. Exit stage left, Ethan. It's a machete yeah. cane. <laughs> yeah, but your head's decapitated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but the head falls off, but then and then it become, just like lands become, on the stage uh, and just rolls a little bit. Decapitated, and it's hard to speak. <laughs> I cannot speak in the afterlife. <laughs> I'm a ghost. <laughs> Hi, I'm a fun ghost, okay? I host a radio show. I'm a host ghost. I'm a ghost host that hosts a show about ghosts. What are you doing, ghost? I'm just floating around. I, uh, I, uh, I play drums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a ghost ghost. He's going to do a spit uh, take, but... Uh, he's not even dead. Me. He's not even dead. We're making jokes about Ringo Starr being dead, and he's not even dead. Isn't that that sucks to be that Beatle? <laughs> oh no, I was do, that's John Lennon that does drums. I know, I know what you were doing. You were referencing you comedy don't know, bang you bang. Don't, bang no, no, <laughs> on you our fucking know, podcast. No, no, you don't know. <laughs> no, in these in these movies, the killer's always wearing black leather gloves, a trench coat, a mask, and a hat, or some combination of those, and the. Black gloves are the most iconic. And most of the victims in these movies are killed when they're in a vulnerable situation. So they're either taking ah. a bath or taking a shower or they're scantily clad and getting Psycho. in bed. Yes. <laughs> Very much so a Hitchcock thing. Like, it's it's always... Dude, what about when you're trimming your pubes? They, they get killed then. It's a really vulnerable Wait, moment. Oh, dude, not only fuck? are you, like, you're nude and you're easily shocked... 
But you got a fucking sharp tool by your Johnsons. <laughs> and you're focused on that, for sure. Yeah. And then yeah. there's a sharp yeah, tool yeah, yeah. that comes around your throat, and then it just slits you right open. Yeah. Yep. Be yeah. bad. Especially if you got if you got you while you're shaving your balls. I don't even do that. That seems dangerous. All right. Well, let's talk about the themes of Jolly. Let's wrap oh, this fine. shit up. Oh, fine. We'll talk about themes rather than pubes. Whatever. So Jolly are noted for psychological themes of madness, alienation, sexuality, and paranoia. And it's pretty much all four of those in every single one of these movies. The protagonists are pretty pretty often made to question their own perceptions of what is real. And they're often uh, their testimonies are often questioned by authority figures. And they are like literally brought to this point where they can't even trust themselves. They like they don't know what's reality anymore. They don't know, like they can't trust their memories. Um, and so like that ambiguity of the memory and perception of what's going on escalates to delusion and hallucinations and paranoia. It's just like delirium. Uh, and then that is usually represented in the style of the unfocused narrative and of the unreliable narrator and of shit not making sense and their character motivations being like just nonsensical. Like, why wouldn't you go talk to the fucking police? It's because they're just like delusional and they think that they're they're hallucinating some of these things. Um, it becomes like a, yeah, like an internal struggle. And that's like really important for the genre. Uh, eventually it doesn't show up in blood and black lace, but it, it starts to become like a very relevant thing. Once Argento comes on the scene, I see it in uh crystal plumage, but it's just, it's like more, more of just like a witness thing where like, if you have a witness who actually cares, yeah. you know, like, cause there's kind of like a witness in, uh, blood and black lace, but he's just like, everyone's just like, Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> fucking hide that. I know this. this yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, and, and like, it's, it's hilarious. hilarious. It's yeah, so it's funny. So that, funny. Like, literally the first fucking kill is that woman getting strangled and getting dragged off with their cleavage. <laughs> and, Hanging out. And, and, and that guy's titty. just like, that guy's just like, oh, like I saw this. I gotta like fucking, I gotta keep this inside. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. Act like so everything's normal. So it fixed the sign. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just like in that movie where the girl finds the body in her trunk, and then she drives it all the way back to the studio and just hides it in the building. Uh-huh. And she's just like, all right, I'm leaving this here. Like That's hilarious. Like law enforcement are, are almost never people. protagonists. Well, and they don't like they don't want to be associated with the murders, and it's like, well, you already are because it happened in your weird theater troupe. That's a hassle. Being involved <laughs> with the murder is a yeah. real fucking time suck. It's just it really sucks. Um, <laughs> but because be- these protagonists are usually women, it's like critics have like started to, like criti- like they started criticizing these movies because it developed a trope of like the unreliable woman. Um, it's just like the, like it's the woman who, who you can't trust. And like, it's like emblematic of like how men viewed women at large. And it was like this misogynistic trope that kind of started developing in, uh, in these films. Italian um, women are untrustworthy cause they're like, so hot. Yeah. I was thinking <laughs> of the more obvious misogyny and just like murdering beautiful women and just being like oh beautiful <laughs> women that's why we're murdering them yeah no it's well yeah that's why we're murdering well, them because they're beautiful women 
usually the motives were like the killer's motives were always because they were mentally ill and something in their past, some kind of, and it's almost always a, a psychological trauma that's sexual in nature. Uh, yeah, they, 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 it, something triggers them. So, like in the, the like bird, real life, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in real life. But like in the bird with the crystal plumage, which is like somewhat subverting the trope without actually like. But I think honestly, just establishing it, the, he wants the, to suck his mama's titty. Well, the woman <laughs> is the killer, but she's triggered when she sees the painting of she sees this painting of uh this guy had made of when he say like of, of this woman being violently raped basically and he painted it after he saved his ex-girlfriend from being violently raped and it turns out the killer is that girl in the painting and when she sees the painting of herself in that violent situation that she actually lived through it triggers something in her that makes her become psych like psycho and start killing people and like that's pr pretty standard throughout the genre is like it's something like that, Psychos. some kind of Spoiler like plate. trauma that triggers you to start murdering. Very fun, very very fun. Mm -hmm. The the intro to this movie, like with all the mannequins and like them holding place, is so fucking awesome. And it's hilarious to be like, man, this movie is like gonna be a little more artsy than I thought. All right, cool. And then the the dubs like right when you start the movie you're like oh wait i don't i don't know like the dubs are so off and so weird and fucked it's so funny and then like it'll still like bring back that artistic element but just how the movie is dubbed like literally the guy there's a point where a guy's just like putting pencils and like things on a desk and like it would just be like two second delay of like <laughs> then the sound the kicks pencils in. actually hitting the table. No, it's no, no. So but that's funny. just that's just a stylistic choice of these films, though. <laughs> um, well, the sound design in this movie being off is not stylistic, but the dubs being terrible was one hundred percent a stylistic choice. And it's also just how Italian films were produced at the time. And once you get into the late 70s, when you get to like Suspiria and stuff, the way those are dubbed, that was less of a thing then. They like were starting to get more and more into like actually recording sound and dialogue on set. But imagine they consciously that. started. Wasn't yeah. great. <laughs> Didn't do a great job. <laughs> oh, well, not in Suspiria. They consciously made a choice to just like dub it because everybody's like half the cast was German, American. And then the other half was Italian. And so everybody spoke different languages. And so people literally would just be like, uh, I knew what their line was. So I didn't necessarily understand the language they were speaking, but I knew like when they finished talking, what my, what, what my line what was. What my body be. language yeah. was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Like I know the dialogue. It was just, was, were they all doing, were they all doing the dialogue in their native tongues? Like yes. everybody the, the most confusing yeah. sets. What? Yeah. Well, that's how what? all of these movies are made. Even like Fellini are you movies. If you get to the, me? if you get to the greatest Italian movies of all time, Fellini who didn't speak very good English Satyricon's all English speakers and then Italian speakers, and none of them could speak the same language. And they would just mm -hmm. say their lines, and the and like they knew what the next line was supposed to be, and then they would just act on that. Are you fucking kidding? I I didn't never knew that that. That's yeah. how they produce movies in in Italy and and France. Well, mostly that they Italy. Just, like, mostly the Italy. English. That the American people just spoke English. Just spoke they English just said their lines in English, and the Italian people said their lines in Italian, and they just like <laughs> they knew the script that well. 
It's fucking hilarious. It's great. And the dubs are always bad, even in the greatest films of all time. You go watch Eight and a Half and La Dolce Vita, and it's Marcello doing his own voice, but it's still dubbed over. It's like them doing their own Italian, but they dubbed it later. And it's like matches pretty well, but it's still off. It's no, always I think off. That's, I think that's what makes it look even worse is like some people like the dubs being better on some people because they're saying the actual words that they're saying. And then yeah. some people, it being completely different. It's like, another so, language. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. But then he, Fellini and, and Visconti and people like that used it to great effect. Rossellini, they would like use it to make like a surreal effect to the film. And like, it just sucks you in. They do, they do a really great job. But these guys, they didn't give a fuck. It was like, <laughs> these are cheap Roger Corman-esque movies. Like they were using the Roger Corman model of producing. It was just like... Fuck it. We got it on the second take. We'll get we'll get uh what's her name to do the uh, the dub later on. Yeah, it's like making cheap films. Yeah, they I mean these were these were cheap, very movies. inexpensive. You don't get, you know, that you don't take take until you get it. You just do two takes and you move on. Yeah. <laughs> like as the as the genre goes on it gets more artistic and like Argento starts bringing that like authorship to it and Bava also Baba starts bringing an authorship to it, but especially here at the beginning of it, and then a lot of these directors, just because like people were trying to make money, this shit was like fast produced. Who gives a shit if it matches? Let's just put it out. It's all about the gore, anyways. It's all about the sex, anyways. That's how a lot of these movies were made, dude. And they're really fun for it. They're actually really fucking fun. Oh, this because <laughs> they don't they don't. This work movie well. is fucking <laughs> hilarious. So much of the dialogue is just like. Uh, you go there, and uh, I'm gonna go over here. All right, so I'll see you later. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck is this dialogue? <laughs> this is the weirdest shit. It was so literal at so many times. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh god. It it like definitely as the genre evolves, like all of that starts to get better and better. And then like Deep Red, which we're watching next week, is actually written by Bernardo Zapponi, who wrote Fellini's Roma and worked on him with Satyricon and did Fellini's Casanova and City of Women. So like that guy, like and he's like a he's like an acclaimed screenwriter. So Deep Red is like considered basically the highlight of this entire genre which is going to be a fun one to do next week because it's a very, very complex storyline actually written by someone who wrote complex stories, who, like, wrote good shit. Um, the true artist, those <laughs> Not say. like one of these DC movies. <laughs> no. Dude, that's good because we are very chill and super good at describing good, complex movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. When it comes to this genre, I think we're gonna have ju- we're gonna be just fine. Because <laughs> next week we're gonna talk about like how it changes and how this genre kind of like changed in those seventy to seventy three those years, and then kind of where it's gonna be going after this. Because Deep Red's like the the peak, so we're going from the beginnings to the peak, and we're jumping twelve years. Hey oh. Hey, oh, but we should say, I do want to talk about how this movie has had an influence on so many fucking people. Tarantino has quoted it as being a big influence on him. Scorsese talks about how this movie and specifically Baba in general and his movie Kill Baby Kill is just like all of it is is super influential on him. Uh, Brian De Palma and then uh, Eli Roth is actually 
noted for. Mm, we can probably leave that one out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, Eli Roth credits the film Torso and Who Can Kill a Child, which are both Shallow films, as being an influence on Hostel. Let's let's jump into the the aspects of the movie that were and weren't so jalo and not even that they weren't jalo but they were just funny (laughs) 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 they weren't such yellow moments um i just liked when the detective was like yeah i guess they all have an alibi like (laughs) damn it like damn it these guys who are i guess innocent get to go free like he was pissed that they all oh yeah it's that law enforcement not being trustworthy thing this movie this movie like made you feel for the police (laughs) like like they was he was just like god damn it these shitty ass people (laughs) i'm literally just like you fucking have to tell me what you know right now Oh, I don't know. And they're like oh. being so shitty. And he's just like, God damn, can no one just fucking tell me? I'm Listen, trying to solve Somebody this. was murdered, and I'm just trying to figure. You, It's your friend. Okay, I don't even know her, okay? <laughs> it's like, it's your friend. I'm just trying to figure out. God damn it. God, just. Exactly. Did you kill her? No, I don't know. I don't know anything. It, the only one who was being cooperative <laughs> was the killer, was Cameron Mitchell's character. He was the only one who was just like, all right, I'll talk to you. He was kind at the beginning. He, was being he quiet literally the, is just like, oh, I don't know a lot. Like you'll have to talk to these other girls. Yeah, you know that they live. But like, like when they bring him to the police station and stuff, he's just quietly in the back and he's like telling them whatever they want. And like the other guys are freaking out and yelling at each other because they feel like they have something to lose. And he's so just like funny. sitting in the back, and he's like totally the one doing it. It's hilarious. Did <laughs> you Am I think- the only one who wanted to fuck that cop? <laughs> Those yeah. eyes, dude. He had some fucking piercing eyes. So you want? I did not want, notice his eyes. You want no, your lover? I didn't notice. I didn't notice Fine. it, dude. I didn't notice, you didn't his, notice eyes. his piercing eyes. Do you no. want your lover to have piercing eyes? I didn't notice. We would we, not. We watched piercing? the retro VHS version of this movie. Me too, but like still, pierced straight <laughs> yeah, through those fucking but, that but fucking like VHS. Still. Pierced straight through the tracking, dude. <laughs> I didn't see it, man. I didn't notice. I gotta rewatch it. Yeah, I gotta see those piercing eyes. Yeah, I think I mean, it was they were kind of small and beady, but still piercing. They pierced. Small, they beady, pierced. and piercing. They were goes beady, together but like piercing. peanut butter and small, jello. piercing, beady eyes. Like a the BB gun. Like a BB gun pumped five too many times. Those horrible jello eyes. It's like that's, Legion. Yeah. No, no, that's from uh, that's from Spider Man. Those horrible yellow eyes. Yeah. Rosemary Harris, yeah. Finish it! Finish it! <laughs> From evil! <laughs> I love this movie, Dude, man. Brian Cranston was barely in Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Who? Brian Cranston was barely even in Spider-Man. <laughs> I wish. The first five minutes. Okay, did anyone else think that, like, when they are starting to wear the black lace. They're like, okay, you have to wear this costume. Uh, not costume. Wear this dress out on the runway. It was kind like, of a costume. Did you it's think okay. it was it's a gonna, costume. It's okay. It's okay. Did you think that it was going to be kind of like 
passed along as a curse like and yeah. the women were gonna get murdered like whoever wore that that's the first thing i thought when i saw i was just like oh yeah this is gonna be like classic trope like yeah. thing where it's blood just like lace. it's Not called blood really and black lace because, it's literally gonna because, be the... because murder is so like everybody's gonna get fucking murdered it was just like every, a bunch of people are gonna get murdered i didn't think the but dress thought, was I just, gonna be I had a feeling that that's what where the movie was going. I was wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, well, because I think they even said like that dress is cursed. Like one yeah, of the exactly. characters said, the ca- dress is cursed. So yeah, no, I was just. I didn't know how I, they were gonna get all those girls into that dress. I I knew <laughs> I knew whoever wore the dress was gonna get murdered next, but Not I didn't the think same the dress time, was gonna. But... Yeah, I didn't think the dress was gonna keep going. So no, I thought the dress would just be like the the pants in those sisterhood movies, you know. Yeah. yeah, just travel. Sisterhood of the traveling fucking murder victim dress. <laughs> Are those pants the pants? <laughs> Swing. <laughs> those pants look great on you, but I bet they'd look a lot better on the floor of my dungeon. <laughs> they look great on you, but they'd look even better if I severed half of your corpse and took your legs with the pants back to my house. <laughs> Yeah, I found these pants at Goodwill. They got bleach and blood all over them. Uh-huh. They're pretty sick. It's like American Psycho when he's at the uh, dry cleaners. And he's just like, you can get this stain out of my shirt. And the woman's <laughs> like, oh, I, I come here all the time. And he's like, well, you can get this stain out of my shirt then. And she's like, what is that? And he goes, oh, oh, God, um, it, it's cranberry juice. I, I, I just dropped cranberry juice on my shirt. It's just, you know, I got to go. I got to go. <laughs> Anyways, Blood and Black Lace was a really good movie. Dan, did you like? Did you enjoy watching this film um, first time and second, or a little the first bit of time? the first time, a little bit of the second time? Or? The first time was amazing because I kept drifting in and out of sleep, and in sleep I don't have to deal with any of the real world stresses. So <laughs> Um, great place for me. Um, and the second time I was like. Oh, this is a movie. It makes sense now. Um, because I actually saw it. Uh yeah, it was good. Honestly, like it didn't didn't like get me, didn't enthrall me. So like what were I don't know, what are like some favorite parts that you did actually enjoy, like of this movie? Even though you were like kinda like like you know, I don't know. I don't know exactly how you felt, but you seemed to be like, Oh yep, movie. Cool. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, no, I I I like the movie. Um, overall, it just it just it didn't it didn't hook me. Like uh, like uh, full uh, full disclosure, I already watched Suspiria because I don't have it. So Chase had to lend it to me on DVD. So we're talking about that later. But like, it didn't hook me like that did. You know, um, it it. I didn't guess the killer, but at the same time, I wasn't necessarily surprised by the killer or anything like that. It just, the the campiness, and I think it a big part of it was me being very sleepy. Um, but I was, just, I was just like, all right, I get it. Cool. Great. Yeah. Looks cool. Great. Good night. Um, if I had been more awake, uh, and like today when I watched it, I rewatched it while I was at work and had to start and stop a lot just so that I could make sure I had actually seen the whole film before I talked about it. Um, you know, not also, also not a great way to watch a film. Uh, but again, like there were certain moments, um, after, 
uh, the the woman who is helping with the killings falls off the balcony uh, when she come like when she's coming back at the end, and they do yeah. that slow the slow pan around uh, the killer the, yeah. the guy killer. Like yeah. I really enjoyed that. I really I thought that was a really nice shot. Um, yeah, I kind of wish they had actually used that shot to reveal her, uh, but but still really enjoyed the shot. Yeah. There, there are a lot of like really like there's weird shots and there's some some weird shots that do really well. But like that shot where <laughs> the killer is literally holding that woman and like his hand around her mouth and then he like starts writing, like yes, that's, yeah, that's so real... weird and it looks like it's like animated yeah. <laughs> like and onto actually, the paper. It's really right strange. before right before that shot that the shot that I like where the he they pan around. When they're going into the room where he's like trying to break into the jewelry box, for one, super slow build up to him trying to break into that jewelry box at the end. Uh-huh. Like, it, it, like, what? Why did it take him five <laughs> minutes to fucking break into that? Like, they showed him t- trying out multiple tools. Um, but Motivation <laughs> is sometimes very odd in this movie. Like, yeah. when he's going down to his lair. And he like seems confused, like he's stopping in the hallway and like looking around. And you're like, no, no, you're in your lair. You, no one, no one's there. <laughs> and like, and he goes yeah, and knocks over strange. that chair, which is one of my favorite parts of the movie. You're when he's just, he like, just like, when he's just like, ah, fuck chairs. <laughs> and you're just like, dude, you're in your lair. <laughs> What's happening? You're in your own lair. Well, they they have this shot that at first, like, you think is a POV, like a killer POV or something. Like right before oh, that. What's, what, how do you know that term? Uh-huh. Where does that term come from? Point of view. <laughs> Point of view shot. Um, so anyway, yeah, they're, they're like going through and like they I've pass by a mirror that you're like, they kind of turn towards the mirror like, oh, are you going to see it, like a, somebody else in the mirror? No. Then they go into this other room and it's just like this really long tracking shot that's not really tracking on anything. It's just tracking into the other room where he's like fiddling with the jewelry box. Um that looks like it should be a POV that's then nothing. <laughs> it's just like, what? Why did you just, did you guys just need to eat like a minute and a half? Two minutes <laughs> of film? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a few moments like that in this movie. You're just like, I think it's hilarious. What? There's some cuts that are so goddamn funny. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just like, I don't even think that was the sound design's fault. Like that was totally just a terrible fucking cut. <laughs> terrible cut. Oh my God. It's so fucking nuts. Which makes me, you know, wonder if, like, obviously this wasn't the first cut of the film that we saw. No. You know, and like, I wonder what the fuck <laughs> the director. Well, that's one of the things of this about is. this is, are there a bunch of cuts? Yeah, for multiple all these cuts films? of a lot of. There's um, at least, there's at least two for this one, two or three. But yeah, there's like multiple versions of all of these movies. <clears throat> like the version of Deep Red that we're going to be watching next week is heavily edited. The original Italian was almost 25 minutes longer and it had lots and lots of gore and like sex and stuff in it. And the American cut, they cut all the gore and stuff out. And then the version that we're watching is going to be the gore is all edited back in, but there's still about 23 minutes of the movie missing from because it was never released outside of Italy. Uh, So it's not like the fully original movie. It, it never will be. We're watching the definitive version that like American and English and Western audiences have like 
come to appreciate and it's still supposed to be really really good but it's not like the original yeah, it's going to be the version like that's the uploaded to the cloud and <laughs> stays stays in the singularity when we you can become the movie later in life I don't know if you'd want to. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> it's fucking terrifying thing to become. Become the movie. <laughs> Deep red. There's so many crazy characters. It's so funny, like when the police first show up at uh, you know, the model house. I don't even know what yeah. the fuck it is. <laughs> um, the model dorm. <laughs> the model house. And uh all these fucking crazy characters start coming out of the woodwork, and you're like, oh, this movie's about all the... what? Oh, fuck, like, all these people are just coming out and just be like, oh, hi, I, I don't know anything. Uh, I'm just doing you're this. Like, blah, blah, blah. You're suspicious. You're like, oh, I have to go. Like, like everyone's <laughs> just being crazy, you're just like, what the fuck? This so movie's nuts. When they nuts. did the diary and the bump, bump, bump close-ups, yeah. uh, it was like fucking Clue. It felt yeah. like Clue. Oh, it was totally like Clue. Yeah, I, I almost like literally just said like, uh, okay, so we just watched Blood and Black Clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's Clue, the 60s movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically what Clue's based on. It's hilarious. It's very funny. It's fucked. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's so funny when that guy has like a fucking epileptic seizure. And then like the cop just turns and says, you can go home now. <laughs> Also, yes. they were just like, did you know he was epileptic? And I was like, I didn't know he was epileptic. Like, the, the one woman what? goes, I knew he was epileptic. And then they go, get out. Get out. You go. Leave. <laughs> it's so funny. It's one of the best lines of the movie. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, the, these movies are very fun. All of these mm-hmm. movies are fun. In, the, in, the, in those schlocky kind of ways. Yeah. The purple body, like the purple light on that body when he was being dragged, uh, when he's just moving all the bodies around, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> he's just killing people and playing with them, like setting them up in different formations. And he's just them stacking them at one point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very fun. Pillow death. Anybody? Oh my god! I was so sad. You didn't see her face. I know you didn't get. She just shit. died. It's just like a uh, great acting role. Hey, you're gonna be the woman that we cover your face with a you, pillow, and you die. Yeah. Oh, so I don't have to do any. Oh, awesome. Oh, and you're not you're, getting paid as much. You're gonna actually <laughs> smother me. I'm actually gonna die. Because <laughs> yeah. he smothers her for a while. Mark Smothersberg. <laughs> <laughs> Smothers Bad? What is it again? What's that guy's name? Mother's Bad? Mother's Bad. (laughs) Mr. Mother's Bad. When that woman (laughs) is drunk at the end, after you find out that she's like in on the, uh, you know, murder, she's like, she's like Cameron Mitchell's girlfriend or whatever. Wife. Wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wife. Not for long. (laughs) Not for long. She shoots him in the dick. (laughs) But when she's drunk and being so fucking hilarious, like, I don't know. I really like that scene, too. Like, I don't know. She was being very fucking funny. It reminded me of my girlfriend and her friends, like, when they're actually drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty great. Huh. 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 
<laughs> yeah, this this movie like definitely like uh, established this genre. Like a lot of these elements are like in the rest of these movies. Yeah, this movie's like my life. This movie's Alan. Uh, how about Catwoman in this movie? Did you like her? The talking about Elvira versus meets Audrey Hepburn. No, no. Is that who you're talking about? Is the that woman Catwoman? who looks like Julie Newmar? No, the the woman Were that dies in the bathtub. Yeah, that's 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 the girl you're talking about. I'm yeah. not talking about that girl. I'm talking about the girl who becomes drunk and is funny as shit. She looks like Julie no- Newmar's Catwoman <laughs> when she falls out of the fucking sky and loses one life and she's got eight left. Oh, that's right. And she's standing. She looks like Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns when she sees Cameron Mitchell and she's like, she didn't look like Michelle Pfeiffer. She looked like okay. Julie Newmar from the Batman TV show with. Yeah, but she had the the same like like swagger as Michelle Pfeiffer when Chris after Christopher Walken pushes her out the window <laughs> and Batman returns and she gets back she's to her a couple apartment different and she starts cat sewing women. the cat. She has the suit. same swagger of a woman who's just been pushed out a window. <laughs> window. Yeah. yeah, that's nothing to do with Catwoman. Yeah, but that happens in Batman Returns and she totally has that look in her eye and like the same kind of like. Listen, you're both swagger. right. It's okay. Catwoman was pushed out of a window. <laughs> Apparently. That's a thing. Well, Blood and Black Lace is a very fun film, very stylistic film, and I was shocked by how fucked up the dubs were and how it was still a good, enjoyable film. (laughs) Yeah. Nonetheless. It's still, it is still fun despite that. (laughs) And it makes it very funny. Yeah. Throughout. But I I was very worried from the first like two minutes. (laughs) I was like, oh no. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be bad. Jo- I have to watch this for an hour and a half. <laughs> no, it was, it was very fun. It's a good it. time. The, this genre is so much fucking fun. I'm so fucking excited to be doing this during spooky season. Yeah, and everyone dies at the end of this movie. We didn't mention that. That's hilarious. Yeah, and like yeah. a lot and of times. And you that get that to take a really good nap. And there's like <gasps> the last person is just like, uh, uh, and just like falls on the other person and dies. Yeah. And you're like. Uh, uh, Bay of Blood is a similar kind of bleakness, and there's a lot more deaths in that, and they're a lot more gory. I would definitely recommend it. It's boring a little bit, but like I definitely recommend it. It's gory. A little bit. It's like 80 <laughs> minutes long, though. It's not that long, and there's lots of fucking death and nudity in it. it sounds, it's shallow. Oh, it doesn't yeah. sound boring at all. Just because they got to stick it. some plot in there. Uh, yeah, they stuck some plot in there. There's a couple <laughs> scenes where you're just like exposition. I don't care. And then you just, and then there's just a spear going through two people while they're having sex. Yeah, and the guy comes and he just gets like penetrated by a fucking spear, and it's gory as fuck. <laughs> yeah, and that's just straight up out of Friday the Thirteenth, right? Yeah, that. And then when the guy gets his face <laughs> right like cut out in of half, it. well, that you know, well, it's out of Bayabasa, and it's put uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two just copies it. It's pretty I know great. That. I know There's that. literally a decapitation scene, and you just like roll with the head, and the camera's just the head, mm-hmm. like the bowling nice. balls in the Big Lebowski, like midnight meat train. <laughs> True. Yeah, shit. like the bowling balls in the Big Lebowski. Exactly like that. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah, it's you. like that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that was Blood and Black Lace, <laughs> and that was <laughs> that's our Jalo part introduction one. to Jalo. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we covered lots. Uh, join us next week, and the week after that, and the week after that. And, and the week we'll, after that. 
because we're going to go through oh, shit. deep yeah, red. We're doing a lot. We're going to go deep red. We're going to do Suspiria and whether or not that's actually a Jalo film. We're going to do The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, the modern Jalo interpretation. And then we're going to do Suspiria the remake, which comes out this November. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram at Coming of Age Pod. And we also have a Twitskies at Coming of Age Pod underscore. And you can find us on Facebook. And you can find us on all the things that you listen to the podcasts on. Yes. 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 Places in the cyberspaces of your mind. Go into the side inside your side yourself and find inside your mind (laughs) is us. It's where we are and here. And where we are is there. But also here and here. Good night. Coming of age. Thank you so much. Good night and good suck my dick. Fuck you.